Okay. Hi, this is Christine Stevenson again for um, our Sister Saints podcast. And I'm so excited to be here today um, with my friend Sherry Davis. She is so great. We are have been in the same ward for a long time. And she's been such a strong influence on me and the people around her. She's a great storyteller. She actually um, works as a storyteller. Is that right? And she volunteers at the Timpanogos Storytelling Festival, which is so fun. That That's really fun. If you haven't done that, you should check it out. Um, she has two older boys. What are their Alan ages? and Ryan. They're 28 and 30. 28 and 30. And she loves to travel. And she served her mission in Italy from... 1979 to 1981. So it's been a while. So I'm really excited. I love the different stories. And I mean, it's interesting how it's like so different and yet the same all these years later. So it's so fun. I'm excited to hear her stories. Um, so Sherry, the first question I have is you trained pretty early on your mission. Is that correct? That is true. And how did that come about? It was came as a shock to me. I was a greenie. Um, I, I had passed off all of my discussions. I had a fabulous trainer. She had was near the end of her mission. She would. It was obvious that she would train me the last two months of her mission, and then she'd be going home. As we worked together, she taught me so many wonderful things. But as companions do, we started talking about, well, your next companion, your next senior companion, who could she be? And you'll probably stay here in this city because I'm leaving, and so you'll stay. And we had talked about all these things. And then the day of district meeting came. I was able to go. I had already said goodbye to my senior companion. We used to go to the train station as a district. It was always the tradition we went. I said goodbye to her. My district leader and his companion walked me home because I no longer had a companion there. And I stayed home until the district meeting. Um, then it was just a short walk down the hall because the sisters actually lived in a few rooms off of the, the church. I walked down the hall to district meeting and our district president started teasing us about where transfers would be. And then the next thing he said was, there are going to be three greenies coming to our district. And I looked in this room of four companionships, and it was apparent that I was going to be one of the trainers. The uh, The last companionship, he was the branch president. He would not be getting a greenie. And I just went white. Sure enough, he said, Sorella Mercer, that's what they call the sisters in Italy. Sorella Mercer, you are getting a greenie. I was flabbergasted. I had been in Italy for eight weeks. Eight weeks. <laughs> I had just barely finished passing off all of the discussions. I had just barely graduated from the greenie status. My companion had had taken the lead so much, I was kind of used to that. And all of a sudden, not only was I going to be senior companion, but I was going to be training somebody somebody that I'd actually met in the MTC because that's how close we were. And I was petrified. My first junior companion showed up, Sister Wimmer from straight from the MTC. And I said, we met in the MTC. You know me. You know that I am brand new. I am so frightened. And she just looked at me with this very calm demeanor and calm voice. And she said, then we'll do it together. And her calm spirit just washed over me. And it was as if the Lord had put his arm around me and said, yes. And it's like, yeah, we will. And we did. She was such a fabulous gift to me as a junior companion. We had a lot of fun together. We had a lot of success together. And it was the Lord blessing me as I 
leaped off into this unknown territory of being senior companion. Holy cow, after eight weeks. Eight weeks. That's so early. <laughs> it's so fun. So how do, how has that influenced your life after the mission? Uh, because she was only eight weeks behind me, she was home from her mission shortly after I came home from mine. We also had roomed again together once, um, one other time during the mission. So we were such good friends. We got home and she lives in Arizona. I was living in Utah at the time and we'd visit each other back and forth. And she had a serious boyfriend. I had a serious boyfriend and we'd talk about those. But my serious boyfriend turned into a, a fiance quickly. And then one month before the wedding, he, he uh, said, wait, 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 we need to have a little bit more time. And oh, no. <laughs> Sister Wimmer was one of those I went to and cried on her shoulder. And she just was that same calm, sweet influence. Well, both of our serious boyfriends turned into wonderful husbands, but it was a second time when she, her calm, sweet, steady confidence in the Lord was a blessing to my life. Isn't it so interesting that um, you're out there and you're so nervous, and then instead of the trainee coming in and being like, what? <laughs> You've only been out here eight weeks, and she's the one calming you. I just feel like the Lord's hand is in all of this. And then, especially when you talk about after your mission, then it's like throughout your life, then you've had her. Like, I mean, what are the chances of meeting her without serving she a mission? She was and is a blessing to my life. Absolutely. I had some difficult companions after that. But this one time when I was so, so nervous, the Lord blessed me with a true gem. Isn't it so amazing? It's so great. I remember my mission president saying, um, he's like, if you if you work on these relationships, then the, these friendships that you make throughout your mission will carry on throughout the rest of your life. And he, my mission president's mom had served and he had, he, he said he called them his aunts because there were just a couple companions that were so dear to his mom. And he's like, and I want that for you sisters. And I feel like these relationships that we develop during this time are so special. It's almost like you can't really compare them to anything else. That's they're, true. they're almost like, not worldly, I guess heavenly. There, it's so it's so beautiful and it's so special. I love that story. Thank you. I I love it too. And it was it was a blessing. And as we talked earlier, she had said we could do this together, but we did it also with the Lord. There's no way that two young girls <laughs> in Italy would have done that without the blessings of the Lord. So, yes, that huge blessings from the Lord in that instance. And I love what we talked about before. How the Lord, it's like it's so crazy that we're young kids when we go out, like we're young and it's our first time really leaving our homes. And I mean, especially when sometimes you're learning a new language, but you're definitely dealing with people that you've never met before and have different personalities and different struggles and different strengths. And it's like every single time you move around every single time that there's a problem, it's like the Lord is in it and teaching you throughout every single step. I love that story. Thank you. That's so great. Um, so did you ever, did you do a lot of tracting? Out in Italy? I served in Italy where the Catholic Church is very strong. You told me you served in Spain. You know what I'm talking about. Catholic Church is extremely strong there. I had one person who said, why are you here in Italy? Everybody's Catholic. You should, you should go to a place where they need the church, but here everybody's Catholic. So yes, we did a lot of tracting. It was just what we did. And we were grateful when we didn't have to track, we were able to teach. There was one family that we met tracting, going door to door and, um, Sister Orlandini or Sorella Orlandini, we called her. Um, she loved hearing 
about Bible study. She just liked having people come in and talk to her. And so we taught her the lessons one after another. She was always happy to have us come back. She was very kind to us. But the more we taught her, the more it felt like, that's fine. It was just, it was just Bible study to her. It wasn't, how can I change my life? Am I looking for the truth? It wasn't that. There was one time we showed up at her doorstep and the J-dubs were already there. The Jehovah's Witnesses were there. That was an interesting meeting until they left. Uh, I asked her, could you tell a difference in the spirit? And she couldn't. Her husband was not listening to these discussions, but her 14-year-old son would sit in on these lessons. And we kept teaching Sorella Orlandini with her son right there. But one time we had gotten to the commandments, and we teach the law of chastity, the word of wisdom, all of the commandments that are necessary for you to understand what it means to join the Church of Jesus Christ. We taught the Word of Wisdom, got absolutely no commitment that anything was going to go forward. It was like, no, she's just listening. <laughs> but we went back, and when we went back, Antonio, this 14-year-old boy, told us he'd had a dream. In this dream, he was offered two glasses. One was a glass of water, one was a glass of wine. So in the dream, he thought, who made wine? Man did. Who made water? God. That is the choice I must make between God and man. He took the glass of water and drank it. When we got back that next time, he was living the word of wisdom. Up until that particular day, that particular discussion, I thought that Sorella Orlandini was our, our investigator. That's when I learned it was actually Antonio all this time. <sighs> He started coming to church. He was reading the Book of Mormon. He was praying with his mother. He was such an amazing young man. We asked him, by then, when we realized he was our real investigator, we asked him if he wanted to be baptized. He was doing everything you needed to do to be baptized. As I said, he was coming to church. He'd read the Book of Mormon. He was living the Word of Wisdom, and he said, yes, he wanted to be baptized. I was so excited. This would be my first baptism. During those first eight weeks, though, I had an amazing trainer. We had not had any baptisms. And so he wanted to be baptized, and I was so excited. <laughs> but he had to ask his father, because 14 years old, you have to have parental permission. His father said, no, Aww. you're too young. I was devastated. I know it's not all about me as the missionary, but I was devastated. Antonio wanted to be baptized. I wanted to, I wanted to have my first baptism, my now junior companion. This would be a first for both of us. And the father said, no. Oh, it's so hard. Well, you put so much into this. It's like, so it's like, you're like, it's not about me, but at the same time, it's like, am I praying enough? Am I reading my scriptures enough? Am I like, am I worthy of these blessings? And so you're putting all of this and there's, I mean, it's, it's not about you. And <laughs> so it's so hard. You. It's hard to like find the balance where it's like, what can I do to help this process? And at the same time, like everyone is given this choice. And mm -hmm. especially when he's 14 and his dad says, no, there's, I mean, and like you think of God's timing and I mean, like just that you happen to be there teaching his mom. I mean, it's so, it's so interesting that, um, how it all correlates. It's not just like cut and dry. Like, right. it's not that simple. It kind of reminds me, this week we've been studying Abinadi and how 
he was up there and prophesying and trying to convert and trying and trying and trying. And then it's like Alma, <laughs> like out of, out of all these people, you'd think maybe like King Noah or something like someone big and huge. And it's like Alma, like he, he got the one person that he was supposed to convert. Like that was part of God's plan. Even though like looking at it, it's like, Oh, it would have been great if everything, like everyone was baptized and everyone changed because of his strong. Yes. Mission. <laughs> yeah, Alman and Benedict, that's a great story there. It's so great. So how um how did that story influence your life today? The story of what is his name? Sorry. Antonio. Antonio. How did how has that influenced you today? I was very touched by Antonio's vision. It was a vision in the night, his dream. It really drove home to me that Italians believe in dreams. They believe that there's significance. And because of Antonio's belief, the Lord was able to teach him that profound truth. It's a, it's a decision. It's a, the, a choice between God and man. Isn't that really what it's about? And such truths were taught to me by a 14 year old boy. I, often think, am I open? When the Lord wants to speak to me, am I listening? There are the times that you find out afterward, oh yeah, I should have been listening to the Spirit better. And there are other times when when the Lord speaks to you, you move forward and you said, yes, that was it. I, I listened. I did. It's interesting that it takes so long to figure this out. So it's like, I mean, not not necessarily you for you. No, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, as I get older, I mean, like I'm closer to 40 and I'm like, I'm still every single time I feel the spirit. I'm like, oh, that was it. Instead of like, of course, I've been on a mission and I've had all these experiences. But every single time I'm like, wait, that was God talking to me. And it takes a minute. It like takes a second to re- to recognize it. it. The, be- the more we do it, the better we get at it. Yeah. But I'm still learning too. That's why I asked you. It It's... It, the Lord does not bang us over the head. We have to pay attention and we have to act. If we do, he'll do it more often. And if we don't, then we're going to still get banged over the head sometimes. <laughs> other times we'll just say, oh, I should have listened. I know it's so true. Have you, do you have any experiences when the Spirit has spoken to you like that? Oh, I do. There was the time that the Spirit told me to wear closed-toed shoes, and I just went from flip-flops to sandals, and I got stung by a wasp that day. <gasps> oh, no. That that was not the time I should have been listening. Um, hang on. I'm trying to remember. I was in church. I was 28 years old when I got married. I wanted children immediately. Um, my husband was fine with that. You know, 28, I didn't want to be spending time waiting. We wanted children immediately, and they didn't come. They didn't come. And uh, so when they finally did come, that was a huge blessing. Um, but as we mentioned, my sons are 28 and 30 years old. They're, they're dating, but they're not dating anybody seriously. They're not married. So now the next step, I was giving a huge blessing of having two children, two good, fine young men. They're not married. I don't have daughters-in-law. I don't have grandchildren. One time I was sitting in church and somebody talked about grandchildren over the pulpit. And immediately my contrary self said in my head, I don't have grandchildren. (laughs) And the Spirit responded so quickly. You prayed for those boys. So be grateful. The the subtext was so be grateful. That was the sermon, but it was powerful. 
And I think about that over and over again. Those boys aren't married. Um, they're, they're looking in their own way, but they're fine young men. They, they love the Lord. They're trying to do what the Lord wants them to do. And so the Spirit has told me, be grateful. Isn't it so great? I think that, and just what we were talking about with Antonio, how it's like, it doesn't matter how much you pray and how much you're fasting and how into the scriptures, like it helps, but at the same time, they have their choice. And so then you're like, I want these grandkids, like this should be happening for me. Like, I want that baptism. I want, I want to see this. And the Lord is like, hold on a minute. Like you were given the opportunity to teach Antonio, like you were given these boys, like here you are to teach them. This is what, this is your calling. This is what you need to do. You can't, you can't manipulate all the things. <laughs> and I, <Darn> it. <laughs> I know, I just think it's interesting. I've never really made that comparison, how it's like our investigators were almost like our kids. And then as we have these kids, then we're like, no, this is it. You should be doing this. And you should, I mean, like the time you're 28 or you're 30 or you're this age and these things should be happening. But in reality, it's like the Lord's like, here, I've taught you these lessons and then you can sit back and you can help. And I, and that's what we do as missionaries. And that's what we do as parents. That's yes, so interesting. It's true. I love that story. Thank you. I've never made that correlation. <laughs> so you said Antonio didn't end up getting baptized while you were there. That's true. That's true. But your father, didn't your father say something to you about? Well, yeah, Antonio was baptized. It was a year later, and I was long gone from there. But um, when Antonio did not get baptized, I wrote home in my weekly letters and said, oh, should have had a baptism. My father had served in France shortly after World War II, and so he also served in Europe. He knows about how it can take a lot of work for any convert baptism. But he wrote back to me. My father was an excellent letter writer during my mission. He wrote back to me and he said, the Lord will bless you with two baptisms for the one lost. And I was comforted by that. But shortly, shortly after that, uh, the elders had a baptism at the church. And I was there, of course, and their mission president come. It, he, I had, the mission home was more than 300 miles away. So this was a big deal for him to come. And in Italy, the mission president is almost like a general authority status. Whenever the mission president would come to the outreaching areas, the members loved it and they loved him. So he came for this convert baptism. And my senior companion had taught the Matsota family. The father had been baptized. The rest of the family had not. And we had continued to, to visit with the rest of the family, but there just was no progression whatsoever. And so I dropped them. They'd been dropped before. They were no longer really active uh, contacts. Our mission president came out, and the Matsota family was there. The husband was very active in church. He turned to Sister Matsota, and he said, So when are you being baptized? She said, Will you come here for my baptism? And he said, Yes, I will. <laughs> and so... For my very first baptism, my mission president challenged her to baptism. We taught her all the discussions all over again, and she was baptized. And sure enough, uh, President Gamparotto came out there for her baptism. So that was the first baptism that my fa my father had promised me. Also, the elders had um, contacted the owners of a pastry shop, excellent Italian pastries. And so being good missionaries, they had challenged them to listen to the discussions. They were listening. But there was a girl who worked at the shop who also wanted to hear the discussions. And so we started teaching her. Her name was Anna, and she ate up everything. She listened to what we had to say. She uh, agreed to read the Book of Mormon. She agreed to um, obey the commandments. And when we asked her, will you be baptized? She said, yes. 
in very short order, the Lord fulfilled my father's promise that I was given. It seemed like on a silver platter, two baptisms for the one that didn't happen. God, I love that. I think that's so interesting. How inspired your dad was to be able to say that and for that to happen. That's so great. And how has that influenced your life today? I am grateful for the promises of the Lord. Um, when when the uh, Lord promises me things through my patriarchal blessing, I have faith that that will happen. Um, it's that sometimes things don't happen easily. I mentioned earlier, I was 28 years old when I got married. I mentioned that I had this boyfriend who didn't want to get married quite as quickly as I was ready to. Um, it was a difficult time, but my patriarchal blessing promised to me that I would be married to a chosen son of Israel. And so when the timing didn't happen the way I wanted it to, I already knew that the Lord fulfills his promises. And so I waited not patiently, but I waited. <laughs> we were married, and he is a chosen son of Israel, and I'm so grateful. Well, and and what we've been talking about, so much has to do with timing. And we're, I can't speak for everyone, but I'm such an impatient being. I'm like, come on. Oh, me too. <laughs> and I love that, that the Lord's like, hold on, take a step back. It'll work out. And I... I love that he's willing to do that for us. He's willing to teach us the patience, even if it's not perfect. So what's your biggest takeaway from your mission? A love for the Lord and a love for the Italian people. They're almost intertwined. I love those Italians. It was such a blessing to serve there. I don't know what I thought a mission would be when I left. My father had served a mission and always talked in glowing terms. So it was something that I was grateful to do. But if I may, I want to share this from my journal because I think my takeaway would was not exactly what I thought it was going to be going in. I said, I am so thankful to have served a mission. I have had great joy teaching the gospel to a people that I love. It is great to be able to see a person's life change for the better as he incorporates the principles of the gospel into his life. That is the real joy of being a missionary. Oh, it is beautiful to see the light of the gospel in someone's eyes. How fortunate I am to have served as a missionary and in this particular mission. I love the Italians. I love the missionaries with whom I have labored. I love the Lord. And I have always enjoyed working for the Lord. The benefits are fabulous. <laughs> I love that journal entry. I think that's so great. It's it's so fun looking back on on these times. And it's so interesting that it was such a short period of time in our lives. And yet it's a, it's almost like held so close to our hearts. I love that. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with us? Thank you for inviting me to do this. It has been a pleasure to reflect on that time in my life. Like you said, it was an important time in my life and a treasured time in my life. Thank you so much. That is all we have for you today. Thanks for listening.